0: Gerald McCoy went on a rant on Instagram, apparently upset that people would question his love of football. Don't you ever question me, he said. I got a question for the Bucs. When will they finally make a decision on McCoy? The answer may surprise you. And Blake Snell, he was perfect against the Diamondbacks on Monday, retiring the first 17 batters. He goes six innings, one hit, one hit batter with nine strikeouts. And the Rays get a fam slam to beat the Arizona Diamondbacks 12-1. The Rays now 22-12 and 12 in a two-game lead over the New York Yankees. We've got all that in a buzzkill in Cincinnati on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, Millionaire is currently offering... interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on a brand new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort millionaire. Okay, Steve, so another hot topic that we'll be discussing tonight involving the Buccaneers, it's not ping pong. <laughs> Although, boy, that 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 escalated quickly, didn't it?
1: Well, I don't know. I wow. think the Bucs and Gerald McCoy are kind of serving back and forth to each
0: other. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, uh, that's kind of the way it's going. Look, I woke up uh, to the great news, as other people did, that on Instagram, uh, where players love to communicate, as you know, Gerald McCoy had done a post uh, of him – sort of at, at his workout facility. And I guess uh, this particular post was made on Cinco de Mayo, which is the 5th of May for you non-Spanish-speaking friends. And so that was Sunday, or lunes, as they say. Uh, no, is that domingo? I'm a, little, I'm a little confused in my Spanish. Domingo? Uh, anyway. So it was on Sunday, Cinco de Mayo, and he was not drinking Coronas like a lot of people. He was out there actually busting it, and had his kids in tow as a matter of fact. And it was a, it was you know we haven't heard from Gerald McCoy. I mean Gerald McCoy has been fairly, you know, fairly quiet and just going about his business and you know I have had some communication with him but it hasn't been for you know for public consumption. He just you know wanted to focus on on getting in the best shape he can and and as I as I've said many times he wants to play another 3 or 4 years. A uh, prideful guy, you know, um doesn't necessarily understand some of the rhetoric coming out of one buck place. And I think, you know, he finally, for other reasons, I'm sure a myriad of reasons we'll discuss tonight or today on this podcast, uh, had had enough and wanted to address sort of the perceptions that have been out there, Um, particularly some of those left, I think, in the questions that were left by Bruce Arians and others with respect to, you know, how much passion he has to play, uh, why he's not at the Bucks voluntary workout program or why he didn't a- attend the Bucs minicamp, all those sort of things. And he did so in a very short video that was posted, and, and you can go to uh, com. I linked it to my story, my column that I wrote today in the Tampa Bay Times. But it's more impactful if you hear it from Gerald McCoy. This is what he said on Instagram. Say go to Mayo. Everybody out. Probably get ready to go drink, probably drink it right now. Don't matter. They wanna question me? That's what I do on single tomorrow. I work. I work. Oh, and I got my kids with me. How many people doing that? All pro on and off the field. Wanna question me, the heck is he gonna be ready? Do he love football? What? Y'all crazy, lost y'all mind. I work. Don't you ever question me? Whoa, <laughs> that was that was pretty cool, man. That that was powerful. Don't you ever question me? What
1: was he talking oh, to crazy. me or his kids?
0: <laughs> That's what I say to my kids all the time. Don't you ever question? I told you to go brush your teeth. You just go brush your teeth. Don't ask me why. You um, thought Greg Shannon was still the coach? Uh, maybe toeing the line, blowing the whistle. Yeah, I mean he was he was pretty pretty adamant about about a number of things there. You know, it's Cinco de Mayo, he's not drinking. Y'all probably ready to drink. You're probably drinking right now. And as a matter of fact, I'm having a nice cold glass of water. But you know, this this is as emotional as I've heard him. It was almost it was almost like a if you think about it, it was almost like a Nike commercial or something, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you see these, you know, and then you're going to see the Nike swoosh come up on your screen after he does this. It's a T-shirt. Don't you ever question me. Uh, does he love football? What? Now, who questioned him about that? Well, we'll get to that in a minute with Bruce Arians. Look, this has gone on long enough. I wrote a column in the Tampa Bay Times uh, just that nature, and that is that it's time, okay, for the Bucks to make a decision, you know. They they need to do this, they need to rip the band-aid off, they need to to decide is he gonna be here, or is he not? And they you know, he, he's sitting here and if he stays it's thirteen million dollars unless they renegotiate his deal, which I don't think he's inclined to do. Nor do I think necessarily that they've even asked him that yet. And I'll get into that in a minute. But if they're if they can't make a deal for him, and it's obvious they can't, they would have they would have tried prior to the draft, certainly they tried during the draft, and now there's sort of a secondary free agency that's evolving you're seeing players get cut veteran players all over the league now that teams have had the draft and that's going to continue all the way through June but I just don't understand what the Bucks would be waiting for if in fact they made a decision that he's not going to be on their football team because they don't want to pay him 13 million dollars Now the Bucs have about 1.8 million or so under the salary cap that's not enough to sign their draft picks, for example, not that they couldn't get there another way, because there's ample opportunity to cut other players and still come up with the money to sign your draft pick. So it's not an either or. You know, they they certainly can do that and keep Gerald McCoy as well, but they need to make a decision. And I think my information is, and I, I, you know, obviously I wrote about this and and did some reporting just to see where we're at. I think something is going to is going to happen this week, and. And and I let me preface this by saying I think if Gerald McCoy and his people have it their way, they'll make it happen this week. They're pretty much at at the limit. And you you said uh, coming on before the podcast, Steve, this was not this was not an accident. What he had to say.
1: No, I think he's trying to force their hand, make a decision.
0: Absolutely. I want to know what my
1: future is, mm-hmm. and if it's not here, and assuming that they can't trade them, which they didn't at the draft. So you assume there's not going to be a trade coming anytime soon. Then I want to be able to pick where I want to go. And I have more leverage now than I do in August.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he has not taken to social media. He has not been quoted by uh, other people that he's talked to. Um, you know, he, he did not want to be out there vocally. And, you know, look, Ben Dogra, who's a, a great agent, used to be with IMG, has a, a ton of high-profile clients, and, um, you know, he, he certainly has a good relationship with Jason Light. I, they have to have a conversation soon if they haven't already. Uh, the, you know, they, the Bucks, I'm sure, look, they have the ability to take this all the way up until the first week of the regular season. I mean, Gerald's a vested veteran. This money is not guaranteed. But if he's on the roster when they start to prepare their first game, against the 49ers, then, then his contract will be guaranteed for the entire length of it because, you know, like I said, he's got more than four years in the league. They could wait. They could wait all the way through training camp. I don't know if he would come. Certainly he probably wouldn't come to OTAs. There's a mandatory minicamp in June. He gets fined if he doesn't go to that. I don't know what his participation level would be. I don't think, in fact, I know that they had no desire for him to come to the offseason workout program, no, nor did they – you know, care that he wasn't there. I mean, at the end of the day, it would be awkward at best for Gerald McCoy to walk into, you know, that weight room or that facility and everybody asking him, you know, hey, what's going on with you, man? What, what, you know, are, are you going to be here or not? Um, you know, you've got new voices coming on on board soon with the, the draft picks starting to arrive this week for the mini camp. And, you know, those guys are going to take, you know, as they get further into the season, will take a more uh, vocal role. Lavante David, a, a lot of people are going to have to step up. But Gerald McCoy walking in there would be, would be awkward at best. It would be, it'd be uncomfortable for him. To, I mean, he hasn't done anything, but he'd be answering a lot of questions from teammates. So I, I didn't sense, no, no matter what Bruce Arian says with respect to Hey, if he came, we'd welcome him with open arms. Well, you have to. I mean, you know, the CBA—you can't send a guy home. You know, this is the time where they're allowed in the facility, and if he shows up, you have no other choice. But I don't think—I it, think it's by mutual agreement that he's not at one buck place. They know he's working hard, and if you look at the video and others on Instagram that he's posted, he's lean. He's in tremendous shape. I've seen Gerald McCoy this time every year for, you know, the last nine or 10 seasons, he has not looked like this in a very long time. He has really worked on his body and I know that he feels great. I know that, you know, he's motivated. I mean, the the difference in Gerald this year is that he has, you know, being, he's being doubted and, you know, he's taken this very personal. He's, he's a prideful guy. He's hurt by this and he's got something to prove even after six Pro Bowls. And, Whoever wherever he lands, he's going you know it's gonna be sort of an angry Gerald McCoy, which is gonna be interesting to see him start the season sort of with that with that bent. But um, this is this is really coming to a head, at least with respect to what Gerald wants and what he wants. I think is out of Tampa Bay or at least to know what his future is. And the Bucks have to make that decision. And look, I don't to be honest with you. I mean, I think it's everything they have said and mostly not said. Indicates that he's not going to be here for thirteen million dollars, but you know what? I mean, play this out a little bit. They they need to build the bridge back for him to get back, you know, in the fold if that's their intention, and they haven't done that. They've sort of set it on fire a little bit, but let's look how they're constituted. They did not draft the defensive tackle until the seventh round. You know, what if Vita Vea gets hurt? Who are your defensive tackles? Bo Allen? I'm done. William Golston, I mean, they don't, have, they don't have suitable replacements here. So, you know, if Vita goes down, you're in a world of, of crap, basically. And, you know, they could use a Gerald McCoy, who, you know, he's not the player he, he was. You know, Bruce Arian is, is right with respect to what he was four years ago. But he was still a guy that teams have to account for and double-team. He was still a guy that was third on the team or second on the team. In, I guess he was third on the team in sacks with six. First on the team with 21 quarterback hits. So, you know, for for playing through injuries, for having some some things he dealt with, it wasn't a horrible year. It wasn't a great year by any means. It wasn't a year that's worth $13 million necessarily. But, you know, that's sort of what the Bucks had promised him. I really think that, um, you know, the fact that nothing happened during the draft – and it didn't happen at the league meetings in Arizona. And and you know, let's go back to Arizona. Here's the weird thing, Steve, is like if you were intending on trading Gerald McCoy, and I, I I thoroughly think that the Bucks were attempting to do that, Arians did nothing to help his value. You know, he talked about I gotta evaluate him, you know, guys at a certain age, it's different. Usually, you know, the age they get paid. Uh, for the most the the production doesn't match and he talked about how he wasn't as disruptive as he was four years ago he's still a good player um you know that sort of thing and then finally i think the one that probably got to gerald the most was you know you see his enthusiasm for the game arian said if he still has all that i'm fine if he still has all that like why wouldn't he have it like you can question a lot of things but I've never heard anybody question his enthusiasm for the game. And you you, mentioned, you, know, you hear Gerald mention in that, in that quote or in that Instagram post, don't, ever, don't you ever question him. Now, fans have been doing that, but also the other one that did that was, was sort of Bruce Arians with respect to whether he, you know, does he love football, as Gerald said. So this is coming to a head, and, you know, I, I think you're right, Steve. You're 100% correct. I think this is Gerald McCoy. Uh, trying to force the Bucks' hand, and I really don't know, you know, other than trying to run out the clock, which is all the Bucks can do here, you know, time is on their side. Um, it's just going to continue to be a story, and I don't think he's going away. He's going to get louder and louder, in my opinion. That's what I would do. If I wanted out, if I wanted resolution, you know, he's, he's got the social media platform. It, we write columns about it, and this is, this is just going to continue to go on until or unless they make a decision.
1: Yeah, I gotta assume that, that the Bucks and Bruce Arians and Jason Light don't want the distraction going through mini camps and all that.
0: And I wouldn't the, think.
1: You know, that the sooner they get this over with, whatever the decision is, if they want to keep them fine, come out and say that. hmm And, you know, at this point they've got to kind of know what their answer is. I mean, you know, okay, so Bruce Arians got hired in January, you're evaluating, you're not sure what you're gonna get in the draft yet, so you held on to him. Maybe you wanted to trade him at the draft. Maybe you didn't have any anybody, you know, bite on that. But now you know what your roster looks like, so now you can make that decision. And and let's be honest, all things being equal, Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles want Gerald McCoy on this roster. The question is, and a team that's strapped for salary cap space, is, th- is he worth $13 million? It's not whether he can play and if he's good enough to, to make this team and be a starter on this team, because he is. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, in the, in the economics of the game and the salary cap crunch that the Bucks are in with $1.8 million to sign their draft picks, which isn't nearly enough, they've got decisions to make. But they, they, they have do. to know yeah. their decision by now.
0: Well, I mean, presumably, I mean, they didn't have a draft. Like, a lot of teams didn't know what they were going to get, how it was going to fall in the draft. I don't mm-hmm. know if they had defensive tackles targeted higher uh, than, than the seventh round, you would imagine. They didn't take any defensive uh, linemen, um, until about the fourth round. So, you know, in a draft that was full of defensive linemen, they, you know, at number five, they went with linebacker, and then they went with three defensive backs. So they didn't really they didn't really go to the defensive line or the offensive line for that matter. And then
1: a kicker. Don't now, forget the kicker.
0: And they drafted a kicker. So, you know, there's going to be – and the other thing that's going to happen is, you know, they didn't do much in free agency. They signed, you know, D1 Buchanan. They signed, you know, Shaq Barrett to one-year deals, okay, make it sort of deals. Uh, Kevin Minter came back on a one-year deal, but these are just dudes, right? I mean, if they hit it, great, if they don't, great.' That's, you know you're taking a one-year flyer on these guys. and you know, in any case, they could be free agents after this year, as could you know Carl Nassib is going to be a free agent after this year. So you're going to lose some people off the line that you have right now. Mm-hmm. But they really, they really didn't address the interior. They're counting a lot on Vita Vea, becoming a player that they saw at Washington. The player they saw the last couple games of the season when he came on a little bit, but still he's not played you know much NFL football. Uh, played 13 games, started eight of them last year. New defense for him to learn, even though he played it in Washington. Um, you can't have enough defensive linemen because injuries are part of the game. They were part of the game last year. Gerald got hurt. Vitavea was gone. You know JPP is is going to be you know 30 years old and. He was their best you know sack guy at twelve and a half, but now he's in a different defense so you got to have all hands on deck I don't you know the money part like you got to pay somebody I mean it's kind of funny in a way that you know suddenly now Gerald McCoy is not a thirteen million dollar year player okay cool he's not a thirteen million dollar a year player and yet that's what you signed him to knowing that this year was going to be a big year, you'd have to decide whether he was or he wasn't because none of the money was guaranteed. I, I think but, there's a difference there, though.
1: The Bucks' answer isn't that he's not a $13 million-a-year player. The Bucks' answer is we don't have $13 million under the cap.
0: Well, but you, but you those, don't. Those are but different. An- I
1: mean, is he, is he a thir- well, Could he sign somewhere else for $13 I mean, Adama and Sue got $14 million last year.
0: Last year, and he's still a free agent this year, right? right? 14 mean, and could a half. could
1: Gerald McCoy get $13 million on the open market? He might, he might, I don't know that. I I don't know. I don't know. But I think he, I think there's a chance he could not, not on, you know, 13 million for five years. I'm talking a one year deal for 13 million.
0: Right. But this notion that, you know, the bucks can't afford him, They they actually can. I mean, look, there's other players on this team. You could cut three guys today mm -hmm. that you wouldn't, they, they wouldn't have the impact Gerald McCoy is going to have even in his current state. Right. And you could come up with the $13 million and still sign your draft picks. This is not a this is not a figure that's prohibitive. Now, would you have much money for other free agents? No. Would you have much money throughout the year to get guys on waiver claims? No. I mean all these things, you know, are, are gonna be necessary throughout throughout the regular season. You don't wanna be so up against it that you can't mm-hmm. make transactional uh, moves and, and and do some things. But like if you're talking about a million here, three million there, a million there, it doesn't take that long to get to seven or eight million dollars that you need to sign your draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um, it really didn't take that much to get to 13 million, so they can carry him on the team. It's not like, well, we're just out of money; we can't, we can't afford you. No, they can afford him, but they, but at the expense of whom, and you know, just what kind of, you know, what kind of position does that put them in for the rest of the year? It's not a good one. It's not going to be a good one in any case, because you know this is what you've done to yourself when you have a quarterback that's going to make. All of a sudden, $20.9 million when Mike Evans is on the hook for $20 million. You know, there's a guy that could they could renegotiate his contract mm-hmm. or give him sinus bonus money that he's due as, as base salary this year and uh, sort of amortize that over the next few years because I don't think Mike Evans is going anywhere. So there's ways of creating salary cap space. But it, the, I think the bigger question is, you know, do they want him on their football team? Like I think there's this I, – and I no one has told me this. But but I really do believe, you know, when coaches come in, um, you know, they 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 talk about – everybody talks about culture. You know, we talked about the ping pong tables, you know, the last few nights and, you know, you know, creating the right culture, you know, turning off the speakers and no music in practice and, you know, that sort of stuff. I and mean, then Greg Sciano came in here. It was toes on the line. It was all this stuff. Well, you know, I mean, Bruce Arians has to set his own – standard and create his own culture and you just wonder um you know with Devin White coming in uh you know sort of who they want those voices to be you know on on the defensive side of the football and uh, you know obviously Devin White's going to be the guy talking in the huddle and he's he's a young player but he's going to have to he's going to have to speak up and I don't think he'll have any trouble doing that if you've met him at all but maybe you also want some of the other voices to go, to go away, you know, maybe, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent that they're, they're tired of Gerald McCoy and uh, you know, him being the face of the defense and uh, you know, other players deferring to him. I think Jason Pierre Paul spoke out pretty loudly last year and he's not a guy that's very, you know, vociferous anyway, but he had some things to say too about some guys on the defense. So you're starting to see these, these other personalities evolve. And it'll continue to do so, especially with the selection of White. So maybe there's maybe there's this idea that you know what we need to move away from McCoy because he's he's not um, the player that he was, but also we need new voices on the defensive side of the football. I don't know that nobody's told me that. I think the players have tremendous respect for Gerald. I think what he says still matters to them, and I know he holds other guys accountable. He holds himself accountable. So I don't I don't know that that's a thing, but it might be. You know, when you have new, new coaching staffs coming in and evaluating, um, it might be the time, you know, to, to start fresh with a new coordinator and new players and, and new leaders, you know. But just from a, an X's and O standpoint, this is a football team that does not have a lot of interior defensive linemen that have played or played very well or been very productive. You know, Bo Allen came in here, made a lot of money. They've taken a million dollars away from him. Um, he certainly didn't have much of an impact last year as a free agent. Remember, all the defensive linemen they signed, like Vinny Curry, who's now back in Philadelphia. So none of that really worked out. And so, you know, you got if you line up Sunday, who's playing? You know, are you better off with Gerald McCoy if you can afford him? And they can. We've proven that. We've demonstrated they can carry him. Um, but, you know, every, every player has a value placed on him by their team and other teams. And they may have determined that, you know what, you're not a $13 million player and we have to do something about that. Now, Here's what I think I think, as Peter King would say. I don't think they've approached him, and this might stun some people, I don't think they've approached him about reducing his contract. I do not think that. And I'll tell you why. Because I think to do that, now you're telling the agent and everybody else, because believe me, the agent's going to let other people know that you know, you want him to take a pay cut which says we're going to cut the player. If he... You know, when you when you come to him, first thing that happens is his pride is hurt, right? And he might think, okay, well, you know, if I'm going to take a pay cut, I'm not staying here. But secondly, you signal to the rest of the league, you know, that you're done, that that you've asked him now, you know, to to take less money, and with the expectation that he could easily say no. And then where are you? So you're you're kind of you're kind of showing your cards. You know, you're kind of flipping your cards over so everybody can see them. And I don't know that the Bucs wanted to do that. And for that reason, I don't know that they've had the discussion about him playing for less than $13 million yet. Um, I also think that one of the reasons why, and I wrote this today in the Tampa Bay Times, you go to Tampa Bay.com and, and read it. I also think one of the reasons why the Bucks are interested in him still being here right now is they would like to, they would like to have a say into, as to where he goes. You know, they'd love to get compensation for him, whatever that might whatever form that might be. Obviously the draft is over, but maybe a future pick somewhere down the road. That would be great. They think he has value, okay, but you have to have a market. You have to have more than one team bidding for him. But how about this? How about if the Bucks could could help him go someplace that wasn't in the NFC South? You know, if they cut him today, if they say, "All right, Gerald, you know what? You're right. Um, You got us. We're not we're not going to keep you on the roster at 13 million. You're not going to take a pay cut Um, You've been a good soldier. We're gonna release you and we release you today How fast or how fearful are the bucks? That they're gonna play him twice a year in Atlanta or in New Orleans or in Carolina. I mean, that's those are three very, you know competitive Playoff type teams that he could go to and then you know now you have the stories of him playing twice a year here now I always We say if you want the player, if you're fearful of them, don't cut them. Keep them on your roster. But we've had we've had many you know we've had many examples of players coming back uh, in their first years or with other teams and, and haunting the Bucks. That has happened before, and it's going to happen again. That's the NFL. You know, guys move around and they play former teams, and coaches play former teams, and all of that. You have to be comfortable though with that idea. And, it, and as much as you could you could help determine where Gerald goes, like the AFC or like another division in the NFC, that would be preferred, right? Don't you think that's natural that the Bucks would prefer him not to be in the NFC South?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always been in sports this thing you don't trade within your division. It's kind of gone out Shoot. the way the last few bit. years in, in sports. Yeah. I mean, you know, think of the Lightning and they traded Jonathan Drew into the Canadians for Mikhail Sergachev. Sure. That was in the sure. division. You know, that's kind of a new thing now where, you know, look, if the trade benefits, you make the move.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: ultimately – you know, you're not getting a big asset back for Gerald McCoy in this trade. It's probably no going to be a low round draft pick, so or another
0: player, a guy who, yeah. who this another team. You know, like the Browns thing was suggested, although the Browns have said, you know, that they're not going to trade um, uh, their running back. Um, but I, but I, you know, there there could be a team that's in a similar mm-hmm. situation with one of their players, and you have a need. Uh, at that position, and, and perhaps you could swap players. But yeah, there's no, you're right. Yeah. There's not going to be a ton of compensation here for this, or, guy.
1: or even some depth guys. You know, maybe you're getting some backup yeah. offensive linemen or something sure, like that. Sure. you know, you're not getting you're not getting a you know Pro Bowl starter most likely. No, so no, you know, at that point, and and you know, if you think Gerald McCoy's still pretty good, and, and I I believe he is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. is he what he is four years ago? Like Bruce Arians said, probably not, but right. he's still good and disruptive and. Someone you have to game plan for if he's on the opposite side? Yeah. So do you want him in Atlanta or New Orleans or Carolina? Absolutely not.
0: Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. And, you know, the weird thing is is that, you know, you think about, okay, well, $13 million. Well, what would you be happy him playing at? I mean, $7 million, $8 million. Think about the amount of money that the Buccaneers over the years have thrown away. I mean, thrown away at free agents that did absolutely nothing for them. How about Chris Baker at five million dollars a year, or whatever it was? Michael Johnson, by the way, defensive end from Cincinnati, walked out of here with like a combined twenty-one million dollars and played one season, and it wasn't a very good one. He was injured early and didn't really produce. Went back to Cincinnati, made more money there. Um, you know they've thrown away money in free agency that far exceeds anything they would get from Gerald McCoy. So if you know if you look at it in those terms, I mean you know the devil you know. Um, this would not be the worst expen- expenditure of 13 million dollars. Now you don't know if he's going to go out there and get hurt. You don't know what his ultimate production would be. Um, but weighed against the guys that you currently have, you know, he, I, I, th- I think he walks in as a starter tomorrow. I and mean, it's not like he's taking playing time away from whom. You know, what young player is he going to be in front of? I mean, this is the thing. You know, you usually get rid of veteran players because you got a young guy that you want to get those reps and you want to develop him and he's going to be your future, right? I mean, Gerald McCoy was a Mike linebacker. There's no question he's not on this football team because you you just drafted a guy fifth overall that, that has to play. There's no point in him playing behind a veteran, you know, middle linebacker. But you don't have a defensive tackle that you just drafted that you have to clear the deck for, really. And so, you know, from that standpoint, McCoy would still, you know, potentially help you. But they have to make a decision, and, and you know, again, the Bucs could play this out as long as they want to. I 100% agree with you, Steve. Gerald McCoy has remained silent up until Cinco de Mayo, and that's because he doesn't want to be on this roster, you know, on the Cuatro de Julio. You know, he does not want this to go into July. Um, and and quite frankly, you know, I know it's business. You know, it, You know, it's the old north dallas 40 thing you know i i say i say it's a game you say it's a business i say it's a business you tell me it's a game um that's sort of where the teams are right now with these players but you know it's it's also played by human beings and guys that have been you know in the case of mccoy a pillar in the community somebody that has done it right been a good example means a lot to tampa his name's going on a building one day um you know all those things six pro bowls bunch of losing teams all that stuff and you know sometimes i think you should take the high road and and just say thank you to some of these people i mean i know they feel like they have an asset that 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 maybe they can help their football team with depending on you know whether they can trade him and get some value but you know there's also there's also a human side to this you know he's a good guy he's been a loyal soldier he really didn't rip the ownership he didn't rip anybody you know Um, he could have gone off and and said some things about, you know, playing on, on bad football teams, but he, he never has. He's been he's been gracious and grateful and, and everything that you would want, you know, Buccaneers to be. And so I think from that standpoint, you know, I, I don't get it. You know, I just you know, I know Jason Light and I don't know I have all I don't have all the information. There's no question about that. And I thought that they were gonna make a determination on Gerald months ago. It seemed like that that it was imminent. Um, but I think this is the week. I think this is the week that at least there will be a push clearly on Gerald's side to get this thing resolved. And I think we're, I think we're headed towards a separation, but it wouldn't, I'm telling you, it would not shock me now. I didn't think I'd I've been on both sides of this, as you know, because I've been told both things, but just from the outside looking in, you know, if I'm Bruce Arians, and I can make this work. If I can build this bridge back to Gerald McCoy and say, hey, you know, throw my hands around you and say, I really do love you, big guy. I'm glad you're still here. I need football players. And I don't know if he can give me eight good games or six good games or 16 good games. But I know he's motivated. I know he wants to prove something. And I know I need football players on the defensive side of the ball. And if I can make it work, even though I'm overpaying him a little bit, I, I think I'd I think I might try to do it because I need to win right now. This is not about tomorrow. This is not about the future. You couldn't trade the guy. You, he may have more value playing for you than anything you could get from another football team, even if they would give you something, which they won't. So I don't know. I, I, wouldn't rule, I would not rule out anything, but I do think that you know, this is Gerald trying to, come, trying to get a uh, resolution. All right, Steve. You were at the Rays, meanwhile, and they had a pretty good opening series day, I guess, against the Arizona Diamondbacks, which is a pretty good ball club, by the way. That NL West is kind of bunched up there. The Diamondbacks have been sort of surprising. I think they lead the made the National League in hitting as a team, if I'm not mistaken, which is pretty noteworthy. But Blake Snell, who you know, his last two outings haven't been exactly what he wanted after dropping. Um, you know, whatever it was on his toe and, and fracturing his toe, although he's maintained all along and he feels good, um, wanted to change some things, had discovered some stuff about his last outing, didn't really tell, wasn't real specific about what that was, some speculation that maybe he was tipping his pitches the way Kansas City was sitting on some two-strike pitches. It doesn't matter because, man, he went out there against the Diamondbacks uh, and, on Monday, and he was just phenomenal. He's pitched as well as he ever has. Retired the first 17 batters. I mean, he had no not only no, no hit stuff, he had perfect game stuff. And, uh, you know, struck out nine during that that stint. Goes into the, uh, what was it, six innings. Uh, allows just the one hit. Hit a batter after the, the single that he gave up. Um, this was as good as I think he's pitched all year. And um, everything was working. You know, I mean, he... He was just on point with everything. And I think that's exactly what the what the Rays needed to see out of him.
1: Yeah, and I mean look, the first inning he came out, he retired the three batters, got two strikeouts on ten pitches, mm-hmm. nine of which were mm-hmm. strikes.
0: Yeah. I wow. mean, he
1: was throwing strikes, he was dealing, and even the hits batsman. That's only the second time in his career he's hit a batter.
0: I didn't realize that. And, and one
1: of the problems he had early on in his career was he did not pitch inside. Mm. And and that was actually Most of the race staff a few years ago, that was David Price and and many others, didn't like to pitch inside. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was organizationally told not to because they didn't want to hit batters and give away free bases or if it was just pitchers scared to go in there because they're afraid of where you're going to hit it. Mm -hmm. But Blake did not pitch inside. So last year he hit his first batter. This year now he's hit one as well, which means he's throwing inside as well. Not only did he have all his pitches working, but he was throwing inside. Got back to the fastball more today. It's the perfect outing you needed from him. And to be honest, giving up the no hitter was probably a good thing for him.
0: It was. So it was, it was at
1: five and a third innings, or five and two thirds at that point. Gives out. he gets through the sixth inning at eighty three pitches, and they were able to pull him out of the game because they're up ten nothing at that point.
0: Right, and you consider how much they need Blake Snell and, and how many innings he's going to have to log this year, assuming you know they can keep him healthy. Um, this is the this is not the type of year you want to burn him out. So had he gone into Seven, eighth inning with a no hitter, Kevin Cash would have been faced with that awful decision about maybe taking the guy out. And it wasn't just a no hitter. Hell it was a perfect game there for mm-hmm. a while.
1: Yeah. And and the thing is it wasn't like it was a one or two nothing game where you're afraid your bullpen could blow it. They were up ten nothing.
0: Oh yeah. You could no, go ahead, were.
1: put your B bullpen in and you were fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they did just that. And and you know, you mentioned um some of the plays behind him. How about Daniel Robertson playing some pretty good infield, right?
1: You know, we were talking just the other night about, you know, his hitting has been sporadic this year and in struggle, but you could always rely on his defense. And this year, his defense has been shaky. Well, he played shortstop right. on Monday night and wow, made some tremendous yeah. plays there.
0: Yeah, he did. He, he snagged
1: did. one, leaped in the air to catch one that almost, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as off the bat, you're like, that's a single to left center field. Snag that right. one, just played tremendous defense at shortstop. So that's look, when he's playing good defense, you know, he's one of the best defenders on the team and he can play multiple positions, which makes him so valuable. So when he's playing good defense, that only helps.
0: And they've needed that because really Willie Adamas has been a little inaccurate with some of his throws. They haven't had the sort of defense that they had a year ago, particularly in the infield. So they needed Robertson to do that. Um, you know, and and so they got that out of him. Uh, you know what did you think of uh Tommy the Tommy Fam Slam I mean Tommy Fam I didn't realize this this was his first grand slam and I mean he he clobbered one uh with the bases loaded and got them off to a good start of course they scored one run in the first inning they they continue to get first inning runs and jumping out on top of teams and this game this game was over quickly I mean they had seven on the board before you could blink
1: but that that grand slam was was huge and and not just cuz it you know it's four runs and in the first inning, they had given they'd only gotten one run. Right. And in the second inning, they've got runners on and they've got one in, but there's two outs now. I mean, they had Kelly on the ropes the first two innings, and you thought they he was going to get out of it with just two runs given up. Yeah. After you know, Brendan Lau had struck out before Fam with the bases loaded. Mm-hmm. And then Fam mm-hmm. puts it in the seats to make it six nothing. And at that point the game is essentially over and blown it's you know blown it open. With sure. Blake Snell pitching the way he was, the game was essentially over. But had you only mm-hmm. gotten the two runs, had Pham struck out there or grounded out or fly out, and the inning's over, and you're only up two nothing, you start going, "All right, you know, we've got Kelly on the ropes. He's not pitching well, but we've only gotten two runs in those first two innings when we should have had a lot more." So that grand slam was huge for the Rays.
0: It was, and he's you know Kelly's a control pitcher, and and he was you know sort of missing over the plate and. Because of that, they were hitting hitting them pretty hard. But if he'd have found it, if he'd have found his control, you know, that's the type of guy that can go, you know, put together four, five, six innings in a row and shut you down and let allow his team to come back. So yeah, getting those early runs, that was a big hit. Well, anytime you get you know a two out RBI, let alone a grand slam, that was huge. What I love about Tommy Pham and a lot of guys had big nights offensively, but what I love about Tommy Pham is this: um, he does not ever give away an at bat and. You know, I don't think guys go up there saying, ah, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go up here and swing in anything. But, I mean, he you can see it from pitch one that he is going to battle. It doesn't matter what the score is, what the situation is. You know, he tries to move runners. I mean, he, he obviously is good with men in scoring position. But he absolutely is intense. And uh, you can you can expect a good at bat from him every single time. And, he, and he's got, you know, of course, he's got the, you know, thousand-mile stare and all that. Um, it was good to see him smile. He kind of erupted, you know, first grand slam and everything. I mean, you know, certainly he's been in that position many times. And he came through, and it was a big hit early in the game and put the game out of reach. And at that point, you know, Arizona had had to leave him in there and, and sort of let him be the sacrificial lamb and eat up some innings. But um, I love his approach to the game. I think it's contagious. I think other players see how he takes, you know, every single play, every single thing Seriously, and he's made mistakes base running. He's done some things um, that I'm sure he'd like to have back, gotten picked off to end the game one time. Um, But you can never doubt his intensity and his will to win, and that's the sort of guys you need on your baseball team to get you through a long season. Um, So Tommy Pham, I mean, you know, he's right up there with, uh, you know, top of the batting average with a lot of guys on the team up there with RBIs and, you know, just kind of clutch guy. And batting second, I think that's like a tremendous spot for him because you're going to see pitches, right? Um, you know, you're going to be in in, in productive uh, situations with men in scoring position when you come back around through the through the lineup a couple times. So yeah, I, I'm telling you, man that that, that was one of, that was one of the better acquisitions they have made as well is Tommy Pham.
1: Well, no question about it. I mean, he adds he adds that swag that we talk about so
0: absolutely, often to the absolutely,
1: lineup. and an intensity that that it's infectious i believe i mean i I think others see how hard he works and what he does and it's very very you know it rubs off on other players
0: you know and he's a guy at an age that hasn't really accomplished a ton you know like he has he has a lot that he wants to do in baseball he's had a couple of good years but injuries and different things have kind of prevented him from from playing those full seasons and seeing what he can do and now he's getting that opportunity and um, you know, he's taking advantage of it. I mean, he's he's a, a guy that has a lot of talent and a lot of baseball still left in him, and, and, you know, he wants to establish himself as one of the better players in the league, and he's getting that chance every day. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think it was just another good day for them. One thing that's noteworthy, let me ask you how you feel about this, because I see my buddy Mark Tompkins getting beat up about this. A season low crowd for a team that came back off a road trip with the best record in baseball, I think just over 8,000 people, I guess, was the attendance, um, you know, buy or sell. I mean, kind of like do you think that this is a, a story that needs watching uh, closely every every game?
1: Look, I mean, it's part of the story, but right. I believe, and, and, and I'm maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but I believe baseball attendance is is, is right now on pace for its lowest attendance in like 15 years.
0: Is it like, we now, just And, and there's we'd...
1: some weather issues, places. And look, there's lots, of, there's lots of reasons you can f- say for why this is happening, right? But and, and and like I said, I might be speaking out of turn. I remember seeing a tweet, I believe, it was over the weekend or late last week, that
0: you mm-hmm. know, the
1: baseball attendance right now is you know very low. Toronto, I believe, had twelve thousand in the stands tonight, and this is Vlad Guerrero's second home stand, at, you know, junior. That you know they didn't get the bump in the second home stand instead, or the second series instead of the first series. Um,
0: look, we saw what it, happened. It, it, in it is a story. It, it was terrible.
1: Yeah, and Mark, Mark, you know, points out, look, this is a story because this is a critical part of the franchise right now. In that their stadium lease is going to be up in eight years. At some point, they're going to start looking for stadiums, whether it's here or elsewhere. You know that at, at some point, and, and the attendance is a part of it. Now, the reasons why the attendance are low, there's lots of reasons for it.
0: Right. Well, we've talked about. I mean, you know, the the same problems exist with respect to corporate support versus mm-hmm. community support, and where the tickets, you know, distributed from, and, and and all that sort of thing. So I think, I think all that still applies. You know, John John Romano wrote a column uh, about, you know, sort of the things that uh, uh, that are true and untrue about the the entire attendance uh, issue, and I would encourage you to go to com and read that. Um, yeah, it's it's a story, and it's going to be a story until, or unless they get a new stadium. And every year that goes by, they're going to be closer to having to go look at other alternatives outside of, of Tampa, uh, uh, in Tampa Bay. And that's just that's just sort of the way it's going to progress. They have a new mayor now, uh, you know, that in in Tampa that it wants seems you know willing and and eager to talk to the Rays again about looking at at sites uh, in Hillsborough County and in, in the city of Tampa. So we'll see if that does you know, anything for them in the future. But this is where the Rays are. And, and, of course, you got the Yankees coming to town. I would expect big crowds there, but mostly because there will be a lot of Yankee fans, you know, and that's suddenly a the battle for first place. The Yankees just two games back, which is unbelievable, given the amount of players that they have on the injury list. It's just, uh, uh, you know, hats off to them for uh, maintaining the same pace and you know, just being a couple games back. But the Rays did get a little more separation on the Red Sox, who lost on Monday night. And, you know, they'll have their opportunity to put more distance between them and the Yankees um, in the next series, assuming that they can continue on and win this series against Arizona. So, series continues tonight. They're going to go with the opener, Ryan Stanek, and then the afternoon game on Wednesday will be Charlie Morton. If you go to the game tonight, be sure uh, you don't have to wear your protective bee garb. What the hell happened in Cincinnati, man? I saw they delayed this thing for bees.
1: 18-minute delay for a swarm of bees. That, and it, it it's an amazing story. So, first of all, they're playing the Giants and a swarm of bees at 18-minute delay. In 1976, there was a 35-minute delay in Cincinnati against the Giants for
0: bees as well. This now, is, the is it the Giants two, that, are, see, yes. that are attracting these bees? Or are yeah. they bringing these bees it, with them? What, what's going on here? It
1: might be. I'm not sure. But, but amazing story that, so there was a beekeeper or someone who, keeps bees that were sitting in the owner's box of the Reds, mm. and another one who had just attending the game. So when the swarm of bees happens, they go down and help and throughout the game collect 50,000 to <laughs> 75,000 bees in a box.
0: <laughs> How do you do that, by the way? You Do you have like a honeycomb on your hand? Well, on your, on no. Your... So
1: apparently what happens is is when there's a swarm of bees, first of all, they're docile at this point. They're not going to sting you.
0: Oh sure. So what
1: happens? When, uh, that's uh, this is what I'm reading. Okay. This right. Is, this is what I'm reading.
0: And I swam with sharks once, yeah, and I thought yeah. that was a good idea. So, but yeah, no, they yeah. won't bite you. So
1: I'm, I'm reading this from C. Trent Rosecrans, a Cincinnati writer. And <laughs> so what happens is is swarms happen when a queen leaves the hive, and a new queen is anointed, appointed, whatever. However, bees do that. And so the new queen. Listen, that's uh, the queen, it's that
0: way in society. Yeah, too, well, yeah, the pretty much. The, queen, a hive and the queen, queen leaves and, comes and some in, of the bees hell, go hell with. Starts.
1: But then the new queen, and so that's where the swarm is. And so mm. what they did was they took this box that actually was had 18 Joey Votto bobbleheads in it previously. They took this box and basically guided a bunch of bees in there, hoping to get the queen in there. And as soon as you get the queen in there, all the other bees will follow suit. <laughs> And they That's have a, so... a box that weighed about ten pounds of bees that had fifty thousand to seventy-five thousand bees in it by the time the game was a few innings old.
0: Oh man! I mean, I, you know, I, is there? You've heard the call. Is there a doctor in the house? Is there a beekeeper in the house? Does anybody keep bees? And there happened to be two people. Yeah, that I were able just, to help with this. This just weird.
1: Craziness! I mean, I, my buddy, you know, hosts on the radio up there, and he's like, "I never thought I'd ever say I have to, you know, host during a bee delay."
0: Oh <laughs> uh, man! But this is well, the
1: second time both against the Giants that, that the Reds have had a delay for bees.
0: 1976 though, that's a, that's a, probably yeah. not many of those bees still around from 1976. No, and appar- apparently if- that,
1: that one lasted so long because they tried to spray the bees, which is the wrong thing to do.
0: Oh no! They See when to they're swarming up, like right?
1: that and they're they're just they're docile because they're basically whatever for the new queen. That you just need to gather mm-hmm. them up. You don't want to really antagonize them.
0: Yes. Good good advice there. Do not antagonize bees. <laughs> um keep them calm, keep them following their queen, and you'll be fine. But yeah, it'd be a little unnerving if you were a player though and you saw fifteen what was it fifty thousand? What was it?
1: How many? Apparently they they, th- they estimate fifty thousand to seventy five thousand bees they had in this box by the end.
0: Wow. But did you That's see Derek a Dietrich?
1: Derek Dietrich's uh former Rays player who's now on the Reds and he grabbed a shirt out of uh, one of the players' lockers, a white shirt, went in the mascot's prop room and grabbed, like, a, a dispenser. You might see, like, chemicals for treating your yard or whatever else. And So he puts the shirt on, he goes out, and he's out pretending to spray bees. And the umpires were about ready to kick it. They thought, like, a fan got on the field. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> he's like, no, 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 I'm a player, man. <laughs>
0: And that was probably not the right thing to do because he got could have gotten stung, right? Because he was he was kind of antagonizing. Yeah, I don't right think there.
1: he was right. Ne- he wasn't at the the right next to where the bees were. He was just kind of out, just having fun, and
0: because uh, the umpires
1: were standing right there and some of the other players, and but yeah, craziness.
0: That's nuts. Well, they don't have that problem at the trap so far. That's that's one good thing. You don't have to worry about rain, and so far you don't have to worry about bees. So yeah. that's a good thing. As long as the Sixteenth
1: Street so he- Substation stays running, you know we're good.
0: Exactly. So uh, yeah. So the, the the Rays will continue uh, without the bees in their stadium as they go on with their series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Hey, we're gonna have a, a good show for you tomorrow. Our buddy uh, Chris torella is gonna come back from Bay News Nine Spectrum, Bay News Nine Spectrum Sports, uh, bringing his many uh, cast of characters, which means we'll also have Mike Francesa, we'll have Chris Berman, we'll have. Uh, cast the thousands with Chris, but uh, funny guy. wonder and... what,
1: for instance, I thought about the Kentucky Derby.
0: Oh, oh, it's going to be good. Yeah, he's kind of a horse player. And, uh, of course, uh, we haven't weighed in on, on the uh, Giants draft. I know he'll have a lot to say about that. So uh, our buddy uh, Chris Terrell, as well as, you know, the things that he's doing on Spectrum Bay News 9, they do a great job over there, him and Olivia and everybody. So uh, be fun to hear from Chris later this week. I believe on Wednesday we'll hear from Mark Tompkin of the Tampa Bay Times, a raised beat writer, and yeah, that'll be on Thursday's a chance podcast. To talk about him. Yep. Yeah, for Thursday's podcast, we'll talk. Yeah, we'll talk to him on Wednesday, but for Thursday's podcast, so busy week, busy as a bee, if you will, week coming up, and of course we'll follow Gerald McCoy and everything else that happens with the Buccaneers as we head towards. Stop it! As we head towards, don't I don't want to get him angry. As we head towards the Bucks rookie minicamp, which will be Friday and Saturday this weekend all the rookies will be rolling in here probably around wednesday or thursday i guess and um, you can follow all that on tampabay.com as well and remember we know you have a a choice of air conditioning companies go see our friends uh uh, howard and sue million at millionaire that's uh, where you want to go these folks have been in business now for a long time in tampa bay uh, for over 30 years as a matter of fact and Right now, they got a great uh, offer, 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Get your train air conditioning unit, or you can schedule service or maintenance. Call them at 727-862-2100 today. Trust the Masters of Comfort Millionaire. For Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.